have an Indian man from South Africa dressed Chinese. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A dear friend to our church. I would say that we are sister churches. And uh, he spoke at our men's retreat. He's here this week. Pastor Quentin Ayers. And uh, would you please come and just share what God's laid on your heart, brother? Pour out what the Lord wants you to speak. Amen. Back home, we have pickpockets. Here in America, we have pulpit pockets. <laughs> but that's all good. And I love what God did this morning. And uh, I want to just share that with you. True worship, true worship is your response and my response to the things that God has done when he reveals himself to us. So I respond and you respond in worship to God when he reveals himself to me. Let me ask you a question. Has God revealed himself to you this week? Has God revealed himself to any one of you this week? Then true worship is how you respond to him. When he reveals himself to you. So if, if God really revealed himself to you, there would be no need for us to say, raise our hands. There would be no need for us to say, stand up and let's sing. There would be no need for us to say, open your mouths. Because nothing would be able to prevent us from worshiping him. Amen? And I always say this, to the congregation, if you leave here and say, well, you know, the worship wasn't up to scratch this morning, then you missed it. Because worship was not about you. Worship was you coming and giving Him the glory. Amen? But this is how God works. Is when we give Him the glory, His word says He inhabits the praises of His people. That means when we raise him up, he comes down. He descends upon us. And that's how we feel good going out. It only happens. It's a causative principle. I call it a causative principle. It only happens when I know how to give him glory. That's the only time you'll feel good. So if you go out of here not feeling good, it's because you never gave him the glory. Amen? Well, good morning to you. I bring you greetings from Greater Times International, the best church in the earth, <laughs> in South Africa, in Peter Marisburg. <laughs> but I want to I thank you for just having me here this morning to Pastor Tim and Lisa and the rest of the, the team here at C3. Christ community. 
I want to thank you for your impartation of grace into our lives. And you know, you talk about a sister church, and I, and I can't agree more with you. But also to say that Pastor Tim and Lisa sit on our external board of elders. They give us oversight as well. And I was sharing with the men this weekend the importance of having that kind of oversight. Importance of having people over your life. And the reason I, I heard him say, the reason our, your nation is in such a mess is because we haven't come to a place of accountability. It's because the church hasn't taken its place, its rightful place, in this nation. And it hasn't held this nation accountable for its words and its actions. And I believe that this house... God is going to raise you as a voice in this city and in the nation and in the nations of this world to be a voice that will speak an accurate word in season. Amen? I was just pacing up and down here this morning and, I, and God dropped something in my spirit that I want to address with my congregation when I go home. It was just something. I just felt a, a, a nudge in the Holy Spirit this morning and, and I want to share that with you because I believe that that is something that needs to be addressed even in your house. God's placed something inside of us as men of God and, and as leaders. And we take that message and we travel with it to the nations. We become receptive and we become obedient. But those messages and those, and those words that we carry can be so easily invalidated when our sons in our house don't bear that fruit. And I believe that God's placed a word in your heart and in your spirit and, and a word that will, that will carry even in this city and in this nation. But what you're going to need is for your sons to stand up and validate that word. Are you with me this morning, church? And so I want to encourage you to catch the spirit that's locked up in, your, in, your, in the father of this house. And be able to validate that. What he shared with you this morning is when you, when you get an, an opportunity at work and, and you get out there and you take that praise break instead of the smoke break. You know what you do? You validate the message of this house. And people see that and they get drawn to that. Because they know there's something different about you. I want to I just say this morning that God is doing some amazing things back in South Africa. The church is growing leaps and bounds. I get up every Sunday on this end and I get great reports of what God's doing back home. And it excites me. That gives me the privilege this morning to share God's word with you because I know that God is doing something effective. Even in my absence back home, the church is functioning. The church is growing. My sons have taken their, their place in the house and they're doing what God called them to do. I had a great time with the, with the men and I believe that it was a powerful impartation. And I, uh, I was preparing and trying to figure out what do I share this, this morning with you. And I want to, I want to share a message that I believe every, every mother, every father, every young man, Every boy, every girl needs to pay attention to. The title of this message is, Your Sin Affects Those Around You. 
your sin affects those around you. See, for too long we've been in a place where we thought that, you know what, this is just me. This is who I am. We've come to a place where we've, uh, we've taken some things for granted in our lives. And we think that God is not interested in the things that we're doing. And that is why there's so much chaos around us. That is why there's so much of evil around us. Because we have started to play games with sin. Now I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 11 verse 21. Powerful passage of scripture. Proverbs 11 verse 21. Though hand join in hand. Though hand join in hand. The wicked shall not go unpunished. But the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Though hand join in hand means no matter how tight the cooperation may be, no matter how smart you may think you may be, no matter how cleverly you can try to conceal, no matter how high you have built some walls, no matter what technique you are using to conceal and hide your sins, the Bible says, though hand be joined in hand, your sin and your wickedness shall never go unpunished. And I have a message this morning for this house and for the body of Christ. And that message today is that for too long we have thought that we have concealed our sins. For too long we have thought that we have built walls around it and people cannot see our sins. But I want to, I have a message for this house today. I have a message for the body of Christ today. And that is, there's a God in heaven, there's a Father in heaven that you cannot conceal your sins from. He knows every sin. When sin becomes the driver in our vehicles, the one thing you can be guaranteed of is that shame will always sit in your back seat. Shame will always drive along with you. Wherever there is sin, shame will always come along for the ride. The worst enemy of a man is his sinful heart that is propelled by Mr. Flesh himself. We were, we were just sharing with the men over the weekend and, and sharing with them that we need to destroy flesh. We need to overcome the flesh. One of the ways that we overcome the flesh is when we come into a place of sonship. The Bible tells us and shows us in so many different ways how we need to migrate, how we need to come to that place where we say we cannot keep on conforming to the things of this world. Need to learn how to break free from that. And sometimes sin hooks a person in the process of trying to obtain something that we already have. When we're afraid 
to lose something that we already have. And I want you to understand that there is no small sin and there is no big sin. You know, when you come to church and when you disturb the one, the person next to you and you, you're that kind of caught jester that passes the sweets around, let me tell you something, that is sin. Because you're the bird of the air that's stealing the word. People come to the house of God to hear the word. They come to the house of the Lord because they need the word to sustain them during the week. And when we're busy doing stuff and clowning around, that's sin. So there's no big sin and there's no small sin. We look at people today that are smoking and drinking and, and we say, man, this guy is so sinful. But those hidden sins that nobody sees when we get on our computers, those hidden sins that nobody sees when we are jealous and envious, sin is sin. And Proverbs 11 verse 21 says, that if you take sin into your vehicle and if you take sin into your heart, be guaranteed that shame is coming. Because no sin will go unpunished. Anytime you think you can gain from sin, you are sadly mistaken. Because you never ever profit from sin. There is no profit in sin. The only thing that happens with sin is that you will guarantee you will pay back with interest. And everybody, every single one of us here today, we have the power to choose our sin. But what we don't have the power to do is choose the consequence of that sin. You see, we all choose what we're going to sin in and what area we're sinning. Well, I... I I, I won't smoke, I won't drink, but I'll be the one who gossips and I'll be the one who lies and I'll be the one who has envy and bitterness and strife in my heart. And even as we choose sin, the one thing I am so mindful of is that we don't have the right to choose the consequence of that sin. And every sin comes with consequence. When sin enters in, it causes the cup of joy to leak. Therefore, as sin, as the seed of sin is sown, judgment is sure to follow. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 18, one sinner, one sinner destroyeth much good. And the sin of one person can bring tragedy to so many around us. And that's what I'm here to share with you this morning. I want to, I want to highlight this this, this morning. I want, to, I want to illuminate this this morning. I want to bring to your attention that if you thought your sin is your sin, then you are sadly mistaken this morning because your sin affects those around you. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 18, that one sinner... One sinner causes so much of harm 
and so much of harm to so many good people. I'm reminded of Jonah in the boat. His sin almost destroyed an entire ship of people. So I want to I want to I want to just share this with you this morning. Consider your sins this morning. And consider how it's affecting those around you. And people make so many different mistakes in life. And you wonder if you're not the Jonah in your home. You wonder if you're not the Jonah in your in your company. And through your sin, the wind is raging. The storm is raging. And it seems like the ship is about to sink. Because you think it's okay to continue in your sin. And people make a mistake by thinking that their sin is judged by the way it appears. Sin is not judged by the way you see it. It is judged by the way God sees it. Your sin is never judged by the way you see it, church. It's judged by the way God sees it. And when God starts to bring judgment, His judgment, and the way in which He chooses to do it may be strange to you, but He is God and He is sovereign. God never judges according to your opinions. And you may say this, you may say, in my own opinion, I don't think what I've done is bad. But I want you to understand something. God doesn't judge according to your opinion. He judges according to His opinion. And sometimes we say, but you know what? I don't think I'm, I'm affecting anybody by doing what I'm doing. It doesn't work that way with God. The repercussions of, the, of your sin that you have committed is dependent on God. A good example is if God went to a woman and spoke to her and said, out of you will come the seed that will bring revival to the land. And if that woman commits an abortion, her sin will be greater than the sin of a woman who committed 20 abortions. Because locked up inside of her was the seed that would have brought revival to the nation. Are you with me this morning? So we can't look at our sins and think that, you know what, God understands certain things and my sin is not as bad as everybody. It was only one time that I did this. The one time that you did it, the one time that you committed it, is the one time that you messed it up more than anybody else. And so I want to say this to you today. The prices of materials in this world may rise and fall, but the wages of sin remains the same. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Sin always has 
a wage. The most expensive thing in the world is sin. Because for the purpose of sin, God sent His Son to be killed. That's how expensive sin is. It cost heaven its greatest treasure to redeem us. Many people are becoming new sinners. There's new sinners every day. Academic sinners, intellectual sinners, brainy sinners, psychological sinners. But there is no new sin. Sin is still sin. Sin is still the same. And I want you to understand something this morning. That sin and wickedness never goes unpunished. Though hand join in hand, no sinner shall go unpunished. And the pleasure of sin is always paid with sorrow. You know the pleasure that we find in sin? Always is paid with sorrow. Any sin you cover up will eventually bring you down. Because one thing I've learned about sin is that sin is the greatest detective of them all. Sin has a way of finding you out. Numbers 32 verse 23, if you think I'm just making this stuff up, says, be sure, be sure, be confident of this, that your sin will find you out. What is done in the dark is always revealed. Sin has a way of revealing who we are. And every sin, no matter how little, has consequences. Even the misuse of the tongue. Even when we misuse the tongue, it has a consequence to it. Numbers chapter 12 verse 1 says, And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian wife that he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. They just spoke against Moses. They didn't fight against him, but all they did was speak. And you know what it brought? Sin. So how many times we think, well, you know what? I'm not doing anything bad. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just saying what I need to say. Let me tell you something. The misuse of your tongue produces sin and has consequences to it because no sin goes unpunished. I was sharing with the men over this weekend, and I wish more of you men were there. I wish more of you could have taken the time to to gather around and to spend time in God's Word. And I want to encourage you and challenge you not to take those moments for granted. You don't even know how privileged you are to have those things. I was texting back home and telling my guys, and we have this, on the, on the Blackberry, we have this group chat. So I have uh, my GTI family on a group chat. And some of the things that God was doing at the men's camp, I was texting them and telling them. And every single one of my guys were, I wish we could do those things. 
And I thought about that and I realized because of the lack of resources back home, we can't do those things. And yet you have it and you don't take advantage of it. But I'm talking about the misuse of tongue. And I was saying to them, every single one of us will be judged by the words that we speak. Every word we speak, we'll be judged with it. The Bible tells us that. So be careful how you speak against your man of God. Be careful how you speak against his family. Here's a good example with Miriam. They spoke against Moses because of Miriam. They didn't like Miriam. Guess what? The consequence of that sin. Anybody can tell me? Leprosy. And Aaron and, and Miriam went before God and said, God, we didn't do anything wrong. We just spoke. Why have you cursed us with this? Why have you allowed this curse to come upon us? And God said, you know what? I'm going to forgive you for that. But there's a consequence. And you know what he did? For seven days, Miriam had to be taken out of the camp. She had to be treated like a leper was treated, even though God healed her. The point I'm making today, the misuse of our tongues produces a consequence and no sin goes unpunished. I don't know about you, but I don't want any of those consequences in my life. The sad thing about it is that some of us take that so lightly, not realizing that my sin affects those around me. There's a ship that's sinking because of the sins in my life. God disciplined Miriam and Moses cried out and said, Heal her now, Lord. God said, Yes, I can forgive her. But forgiveness does not eliminate discipline. Though hand join in hand, no sinner shall go unpunished. A person who commits adultery, we think nobody can see us, we think if we out of town, we can mess around. But let me tell you this much. The consequence of that sin is HIV. That sin will always, that consequence will always follow those kind of sins. And we see that back in our country, HIV is wreaking havoc. It's, a, it's causing a genocide in our country. And you know why? Because men would leave their hometowns. They leave the rural areas and go into the cities to look for work. Leave their wives at home. When they go out to look for work, mess around with prostitutes and live precarious lifestyles. When they come back, they come back with HIV. 
They can ask God for forgiveness and God will forgive them of their sin. But unfortunately, there's consequences to sin. According to the book of Revelation, this is what God says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. So when we hold on to the promises of God, when we hold on and we persevere beyond limitations, He comes quickly, and He brings a reward with Him. Samson's hair grew again, but his eyes never got opened. Abraham brought forth Ishmael, and the consequences are clearly seen now with the conflict between the Arabs and the Jews. God may forgive sin, but it will always have consequences. And unfortunately, those consequences may remain with a person throughout his life. So every sin you live in today is a foundation for your generation. The sins will find you out and find out the members of your generation. That's why we have to be careful. If you're saying, well, you know what? My sin is my sin and God will deal with it the way he wants to do it. I want to say this to you today as I'm speaking to fathers and mothers today. That your sin will affect the next generation as well. If Gehazi only knew that his sin would affect the next generation, he would not have taken that money from Naaman. But you know what God said? Not only you, but the generations after you will be cursed. And I've had to go back and look at some of the things that are happening in our lives and we've had to break some curses over this generation, over the next generation. And in doing it, you know what I've had to do? I've had to identify the sin in my life. See, that's how you break the curse. Is when you identify the sin and you deal with the sin. That's how you break the curse. Too many people are, are taught about generational curses. And you know what we do? We make that a God in our lives. And we begin to say, well, you know what? My grandfather had heart disease and my father had heart disease, and so heart disease will follow me through. I want you to know something. You can't break heart disease. You can't break every generational curse. The way to break it is identify the sin. Naaman got cured of leprosy when he identified the sin. You know what his sin was? Pride. The consequence of his sin was leprosy. Naaman didn't need to get healed of leprosy. He needed to get healed of pride. Identify the sin because sin has consequences. So every sin you find will commit, every sin you commit will find you out. You can never be more cleverer than sin. It eventually will find you out. Now I know this is a hard message. And it sounds like a Presbyterian church this morning. But you know, with sin, there's always the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for God's mercy? Some of you are breathing that sigh of relief. It's like, thank God. This pastor's been beating us up. Thank God for his mercy. Well, I got news for you this morning. I'm going to beat you up a little bit more. 
Romans chapter 9, verse 18. Turn with, turn with, it, turn with me to Romans chapter 9, verse 18. I want to show you through something through God's word as we close this morning. How many of you know there's power in the blood of Jesus? How many of you know that that, that blood of Jesus has never lost its power? From the day it flowed from Calvary right to now, there's power. I'm so grateful for the blood of Jesus. I'm so grateful that Jesus died for me and not any other man. But this is getting to get serious for you right now. Because some of us have taken the blood of Jesus for granted. And some of us have, well, you know, as long as the blood avails, I can continue to do the sins that I want to do. Because every day I can get up and say, Lord, wash me and cleanse me with your blood. And he cleanses me. You know why? Because the blood is freely available. But I want to share something with you. Romans chapter 9, verse 18. Sorry, verse 15. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. That's what God says. And what that means for me this morning, the only thing that can eliminate the consequence of sin is the mercy of God. The blood of Jesus can only remove the condemnation, but the consequence, only the mercy of God. Let me validate that. I know of people who have been healed of HIV, set free from it, when they came to God and asked God for forgiveness. But I know of people who have come to God said, God, forgive me. And they live a righteous life, and he has forgiven them. But they still live with the consequence. And Romans chapter 9, verse 15 tells me that God's mercy, he will show on whom he chooses to show it. Do you know what that means for me? I don't want to take a chance and play with sin. Because his mercy is not guaranteed. Church, we have a huge responsibility to ourselves and to the generations to follow to overcome sin in our lives. To destroy the flesh so that we can live a life that is pleasing in God's sight. I want you to bow your heads in prayer at this time.